It's time for the Football Insider episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert and Tony Morrell. It's the Football Insider episode of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here along with Tony Morrell, the GCI. Uh, we are sitting here on National Signing Day, the second one, uh, 2020 class. Going to kind of go now that the class is set. Um, uh, this is assuming everybody's letter of intent gets in because everybody's announced their uh, intention, uh, I guess, to sign today. And uh, we have video, actually, of Jordan Burke signing his letter of intent that was sitting there at Hammond and um, on the com. if you guys want to check that out. But uh, it hasn't been officially in yet per press time. But uh, it's time to kind of look at this class and uh, put this puppy to bed, Tony. Uh, so I'm going to kind of do something different and start uh, with, with two guys we don't talk about a lot, but you know they're going to be important, the two kickers. Mitch Jeter from North Carolina and uh, Kai Kruger from Illinois. You know, these two guys uh, didn't sign. They're going to enroll in August and count towards the next class. But I think at least the punter, Kruger, has a chance to help the team this year. Yeah, you know, they're going to be looking for a replacement for Joseph Charlton. And and Kruger will, will certainly be given every opportunity to compete for the job and show he can be the guy. You know, he's built a little bit like Charlton, maybe not quite as tall, but he's, you know, 6'3", close to 200 pounds, you know, really strong leg. And, you know, I think has the, the skill set to be a guy that, that helps early in his career. And, and with, with Charlton you know, moving on to potentially the NFL this year, uh, there's an opening there. And you know, he's going to be competing against some guys who are already on the roster and some, you know, walk-ons. They're probably going to bring in a couple more preferred walk-on types this summer, uh, but Kroger will will be a guy who goes on scholarship in August and counts against the 2021 class. They're using the blue shirt category on him, um, but you know, despite the fact that he counts against the 2021 class, he could be someone who helps him in 2020. I, I kind of like the fact he's a left-footed punter. Um, you know, I, I think when, when you watch it, the film, some of the high school kids have trouble fielding that a little bit uh, because it's kind of a different deal um so i'm a little bit intrigued by that you know i think that could be something that could could happen um mitch jeter's a kicker out of concord obviously you got parker white back next year they do lose will tommy the kickoff guy um another guy i think's got a pretty good foot you know 12th ranked kicker in the country uh three-star kid which is that's a high rating for a kicker um Looks like a pretty good guy. You never can tell with this position, but also looks like a guy that can potentially help the special teams at some point. Yeah, he's a player they had in camp and really liked, and then you know scouted him in person. And, and Coleman Hutzler pulled the trigger on an offer. You know, also had offers from Virginia Tech and East Carolina, Memphis, Firm, and a bunch of other schools, which you don't see too many kickers accumulate a, a long list of offers. It's usually just a couple of schools here and there. But uh, you know, he impressed a lot of staffs. Uh, on the camp circuit and with his film and, and, you know, has uh, the kind of leg where he can make the long ones and, and is also consistent with the, the medium and short field goals. So uh, he's another one that, you know, there may not be in his, an immediate need for him with Parker White returning, but White will be in his last year in, in 2020. So uh, certainly they'll be looking for a kicker to replace him and, and Jeter will have that opportunity to compete for it. Moving on to the tight end position, Gamecocks. Um, you know, the two guys that I don't know necessarily that they end up being true tight ends of the traditional sense of the word. You know, Jaheim Bell, who 
uh, who, shoot, I think could easily be a receiver or a running back uh, in the traditional sense. And then, you know, Eric Shaw, uh, who I think could possibly play defense at one point, but really two athletic, versatile uh, tight ends, Tony, that uh, I think have big upsides in this class. Yeah, I think Bell compares favorably to, to Keel Pollard, and I think that's the the role they have in mind for him, a guy who can line up at tight end, he can line up in the slot, he can even line up in the backfield in a certain formation, uh, catches the ball really well out of the backfield and, and, and has good speed and quickness and the ability to make guys miss in the open field. So uh, I think he's one where you, you want to move him around and try to create mismatches and, and just find a way to get the ball in his hands. You know, he's probably going to come in in that 6'1", 6'2", 215 range, you know, I could see him one day playing at 230, 235, uh, but just will give them a lot of versatility and, and you know, is the kind of guy who can make plays. Uh, and then Shaw, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him. They recruited him primarily with tight end in mind. He played almost a, as a full-time two-way player for his high school team. He played linebacker in the Mississippi-Alabama All-Star game and really impressed throughout the weekend in the game itself and has mentioned on social media more than once that he's starting to to prefer defense. Now, he also has said he'll he'll do whatever the coaches want and do whatever he he needs to to help the team. So, it's going to be interesting to see. I think, you know, with with South Carolina landing uh the su- surprise commitment today uh from a player who's going to end up I I think playing at linebacker. We'll talk to talk about Gilbert Edmond. You know, he's he's going to play linebacker, so that may lessen the need for Shaw to play linebacker, but he is certainly versatile enough and, and gifted enough to help them on the defensive side of the ball if needed. But Bobby Bentley headed up his recruitment and, and really, um, you know, sold him on tight end, and, and, you know, he's also really good on that side of the ball. So I don't think you can have too many guys, you know, with his kind of size at 6'4", over 200 pounds, uh, with the versatility to help you at multiple positions. So uh, he's he's one of the, the more intriguing players in this class for me. Yeah, me too. And, of course, 24-7 sports ranked him in the top 110 players overall in the country. Uh, so he's a solid four-star guy. Also, probably one of my favorite high school names, Real Town. Real Town. So <laughs> they're keeping it real in Real Town, Alabama, Eric Shaw. Uh, certainly has a chance uh, to be very, very good. Defensive back, and, and I've talked about these guys a bunch, so I'm just going to kind of let you go with it. Two of them are already in, Dominic Hill and O'Donnell Fortune. Uh, O'Donnell's from in-state, and Sumter was a camp guy. Another camp guy, Joey Hunter from Sandy Creek in, in Tyrone, Georgia, outside of Atlanta. Uh, guys that maybe didn't have the numerical ratings or rankings that you see elsewhere, but but certainly – you know, you look at their measurables, you, you sort of look at what they bring to the table, the versatility, uh, and the fact that two of them are already there and they need depth in the secondary, you know, pretty good haul of defensive backs. Yeah, and I think versatility is a big part of, of this group. When you, you, you look at them on film, and I think it was by design with the coaches, they want to sign guys who can play corner, who can play nickel, who can play safety, and they want to get them on campus and then figure out where they fit in best. You know, Jamie Robinson was that kind of guy. He played multiple positions in high school, uh, you know, played nickel primarily as a true freshman, and, and you know, could end up playing more safety as a sophomore. Uh, and I think these, these guys have some similar traits. 
uh, you know, they're, they're capable of playing multiple spots. And I think they just want to get them, you know, in the case of Hill and Fortune, with them being on campus, they'll work with them in the spring and figure out where they fit in best. And then uh, Hunter will arrive this summer and, and you know, they'll, they'll do the same with him. So uh, they want to be able to, to plug guys into to different spots. You know, Hill probably was the most highly recruited of the bunch. You know, Oklahoma really tried hard to flip him. Uh, he went out there for an official visit, and but he stuck with South Carolina and, and really built a good relationship with Travis Robinson and Will Muschamp, and and they were able to keep him in the fold despite the four and eight record. Uh, but Fortune is a guy that I think is a lot like Cam Smith. You know, he Smith did not end up playing much as a true freshman, but I think he's going to play a lot as a second year guy. He just needed some time in the weight room to to get more. Uh, strength and, and some more bulk on his body and I think Fortune is similar in that regard but with him being an early enrollee that gives him a little bit of a head start and he could end up playing some this year and then uh, you know Hunter uh, had the, the knee injury in his senior season which cut it short but should be full speed by the time fall practice rolls around and and all three of those guys are going to get the opportunity to, to see if you know which ones are ready to, to be in the rotation. You know, linebacker, it looked for a long time, until today, actually, like the Gamecocks would probably end up with just one linebacker in the class, a really good one, a four-star Mohamed Kaba, who's already enrolled. He's recovering from uh, a knee injury, so he won't go through spring ball, but he will recover at at Carolina. Um, So they go down to to Fort Pierce Westwood, which is the alma mater of uh, Khalil Mack who plays for the Chicago Bears, (laughs) who signed late uh, out of that school with Buffalo and, of course, is one of the best players in the NFL. I'm not saying this guy's Khalil Mack, but there's a little uh, trivia for you. Um, So he popped up on the radar today. Gilbert Edmund, um, 22 tackles for loss, 17 sacks, Tony. Uh, Very productive player, quick off the ball. Uh, you're hearing linebacker for this guy. I, 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 I'm intrigued by that because I think your big, rangier linebackers, when you look at him and Kaba combined, uh, that's a heck of a duo. Yeah, linebacker is what they have in mind for him right now, specifically outside linebacker. You know, he could eventually grow into a buck, uh, which you know still has a lot of outside linebacker responsibilities. But uh, you know, they they think he's uh, um, a guy with some edge rushing ability. He reads plays well, gets into the backfield, and, and makes plays as evidenced by the number of tackles for loss you mentioned there. Uh, you know, he played in the state of Florida, so he's used to playing against good competition, and, and just really has some he has some uh, some of the things you can't teach that that just that explosiveness off the ball and and disruptiveness. And I think that was what Mike Peterson was really attracted to, and he he'd been committed to South Florida, and Mike Peterson stayed engaged with him. Gave him the late offer this morning, and he, he pulled the trigger on the on it and signed with South Carolina. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. You know, uh, I remember in, in Will Muschamp's first class with uh, DJ Wanham was committed to Indiana, and, and South Carolina turned him late. And and you know, Muschamp just felt like he saw something special in him, and he ended up panning out and having a really good career. And it's going to be interesting to see uh, you know if Edmund can do the same. As far as Kaba goes, you know they, the staff was really high on him, uh, and he was a bit of a surprise commitment when they land, when they landed him. Even to them, they were a little bit shocked because they weren't sure what he was going to do. 
but he picked South Carolina over NC State, and they, they felt like he was one of the best linebackers they evaluated last year on film and in person. And uh, I think he's a guy who's going to play early and often, uh, assuming he makes a, a complete recovery with the knee injury, and I think has a, a really bright future at South Carolina. Yeah, I like his physicality and his frame. I mean, so, sometimes your taller, leaner guys are not the most physical guys when they're, you know, they're, they're more athletic than physical. But Muhammad Kabul will flat out stick you. Uh, and so I, I think that's a big deal with him. All right, the defensive line, you know, obviously the big guy today, uh, Jordan Birch. And um, I will preface this by saying, as of right now, we don't have official confirmation on he uh, or Alex Huntley from the University of South Carolina as far as their letter of intents go. Uh, that just means they haven't officially announced it. Uh, but. You know, from the it wasn't even really a press conference today, Tony. It's more like a ceremony. Didn't seem like there was any decision. He had Gamecock gear on. Uh, you know, we have video of him signing the letter of intent. So I, I, you know, I, I think that as of recording time, uh, you know, there's probably much to do about nothing. But you know, Jordan Birch, Alex Huntley, Tonka Hemingway, Makias Scott. I mean, I think that, that that's once again four defensive linemen. Uh, Three out of the four or four stars are better. There's one five-star. Uh, and then Makia Scott, obviously, uh, you know, had Oregon beating down his door, wanting to come out there, a pretty quality defensive tackle out of Georgia. I think this class combined with the last class uh, on the D-line certainly is, is very strong. Yeah, I agree. I think they're, they're you know, starting to change the DNA of their defensive line, as, as Brad Lawing used to say when he was – in Columbia, and I think they're they're starting to do that with these young defensive linemen they're bringing in. Obviously, Birch is the headliner of the group. You know, five star, you know, six five and a half, two seventy five, athletic, physical. Uh, just you know, just needs some coaching. Really, is all he needs at the next level. He has all the the skills you look for in, in a player like him. Uh, and I think he's you know not an early enrollee, but he'll arrive in the summer and should be able to work his way into the rotation and and I would think his playing time would increase as the season goes on as he gets more experience uh, you know we saw that with Zach Pickens this past year he played more and more in the second half of the season and and I could see that being the case with Birch as well Huntley is a guy that is intriguing because you know he plays lacrosse he plays basketball plays football he's really athletic for his size uh, you know, he's about 280, 285 right now, which is a little lighter than he was, but he, he moves even better at his current size. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, whether they try to keep him around that range or if they end up trying to grow him into a, you know, 315, 320-pound space eater in there. Uh, but I, I think he has the, the skills to do to be either type of player. Uh, but uh, uh, he and Burks both are just great kids, extremely coachable, and uh, will be the kind of guys that, that – I think we'll get the most of their ability because they'll they'll just put put the work in day in and day out. Hemingway is a guy that you know committed pretty early and has been a little bit of a forgotten man, but I don't know that a lot of Gamecock fans realize just how athletic he is. Uh, he's 6'2", 260, 265, uh, but just really explosive and really athletic, and and I think he's going to surprise some people. When, when the fans get a look at him and, and, and get an idea of, of what kind of player he is. I, I think he's um, going to be 
uh, one who could outplay his rankings. You know, 24-7 sports has him as a three, high three-star type. I, I think they, they had it right when they had him as a four-star, and I think he'll end up playing that way in the end. And then you mentioned Makia Scott and uh, Oregon trying to, to turn him. Uh, you know, 6'3", 310, had a really, really good senior year. And um, I, I think he's another one that, that, you know, may not be ready to play right away as a true freshman, but I think you give him a little bit of time in the weight room and a little bit of development time, and I think he'll be a, a really productive player. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of Kobe Smith, uh, who ended up having a, a really solid career at South Carolina, especially as a junior and a senior. And, and I could see Scott being a, a similar type player, maybe even a little bit better when all said and done. Yeah, I had a chance to see Scott at the Atlanta Nike camp last spring and uh, came away impressed. He's one of the better D linemen there. I thought, you know, he and Jamil Burroughs, who signed with Alabama today, six of one, half dozen of another in terms of quickness. Burroughs was committed to Georgia at that point in time. I'm with you. He, he can be Kobe Smith in time, maybe even a JT Surratt. Um, I think JT Surratt ended up being a lot quicker than we all thought when he came out of uh, – High school in North Carolina and probably was Carolina's best defensive tackle for a while. You know, talking anyway to me, Tony, he, some guys are just ball players, and he's a multi-sport guy. He's extremely athletic, like you said. Um, he may not have measurables, and his weight may fluctuate and all that, but the, the film is good, and the fact that he's played multiple sports and things like that, to me, you know, make him – Give him some value and some upside. People are just going to have to be patient uh, with him, uh, in my opinion. Offensive line, another very, very athletic group. Talked about some of these guys today. They're all in school. Um, Jazz to Turnentine, obviously, is the Juco guy. You got probably, I think, three interior guys in Trey Jones, Tyshawn Wanamaker, Vershawn Lee, though Lee could potentially be a tackle. At some point, what, what do you make of this class? I, I think it's another athletic group that Eric Wolford's brought in. Yeah, I think all four of these guys are really classic Eric Wolford takes. You know, he likes guys, uh, likes to mix in a, a, a combination of, of size, athleticism, and a little bit of nastiness. You know, the guy with the most size, obviously, is, is, is Turnatine at, at, you know, 6'6", 6'7", 340. Um, you know, out of Hutchinson in Kansas. And like you said, he's already in school. And I think he's an important player in this class because if he can emerge at left tackle and be the guy there, I think that allows them to move Sedarius Hutcherson back to left guard. I think that's his more natural position and, and the position where they can get more productivity from him. Uh, so it's going to be important for him to you know, get off to a quick start in spring practice, learn the system, and and really adjust quickly to, to what Eric Wolford needs him to do. Uh, but he certainly has the, the size and the, the long arms and the feet and the things you look for in a left tackle, and it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. Um, you know, Vershawn Lee uh, is the it's the second year in a row they've gone up to Virginia to to sign an offensive lineman. Um, you know, last year they they signed Jakai uh, Moore, and uh, you know he played a little bit as a true freshman. I think is going to play a lot more uh, as a redshirt freshman. Uh, Lee's a little bit shorter, uh, but similar type film. You know, guy that just he flashes when you turn on the film. He's physical, a lot of pancake blocks. And is a guy that that Eric Wolford identified early in the process, started building that relationship with him and and was able to land him. 
Uh, and then, you know, Trey Jones was a star of camp from an offensive line standpoint, came in and, and really just tore up the stopwatch and the, the, you know, the different measurements and the, what, you know, the, from the vertical leap to the shuttle to the 40 time, all the different things you look for. Uh, his testing numbers were off the charts. Uh, and he went on to have a, a really good senior year at Abbeville. Like you said, probably a guard or a center. He's you know, in that 6'2", 280 range, but really quick and really athletic and, and really moves more like a defensive lineman right now. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see what kind of transition he can make. And then, you know, Tyshawn Wanamaker is a guy who's we've seen all these different reports on his weight from, from 315 to 347, which I think is where 24-7 Sports has him listed right now. He's more in that 315, 320 range. Uh, guy's a – you know, probably a, a right or left guard could play some center, maybe even, uh, but definitely an interior guy. But uh, Eric Wolford, I think, really likes this group and likes what he's doing with his young offensive linemen. You know, he he took over a uh, a situation where he had some some veteran players to work with, but not a lot in between, not a lot of underclassmen um, in, in that sophomore and junior range that, that he could count on. So there was you know some pretty big holes in the roster. And uh, he's you know done his best to overcome that, but I, I think this is back-to-back good groups on the offensive line that he's landed, and and I think he's he's starting to feel better about his group from top to bottom. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, it, it, people people don't really understand this. I think sometimes, you know, that you have gaps like that. What happens is when a Dylan Wanham goes out, like last year. Well, gee golly, you got to play Jalen Nichols. Now, Jalen Nichols is going to be really good, but Jalen Nichols wasn't ready, you know? And that's tough when you have gaps like that. And, and you know, I, I think that there's brighter days ahead on paper, at least with the offensive line. You know, we've talked about receiver a lot, so we can just kind of go through these Wyman uh, powers. And then, you know, Wyman's already there. And then Jakari Caldwell signed today. Uh, Gamecocks held off Tennessee on another in-state receiver. Um, overall, I, I think that there's some promise with this group, uh, but but I'm going to kind of wait and see, you know, because I think there's been promising groups on paper before uh, and injuries or, or for whatever other reason, it, it just hadn't panned out. So, you know, your thoughts about the overall upside of this group? Well, of the three, I, I would say I'm highest on Caldwell. I, I really like his senior film. And, and I, I like what I've heard about him from multiple people I trust. Um, you know, some have compared him to Sidney Rice, and, and I do think there's some similarities there. Um, you know, he's a guy who came on as a senior and, and became his team's go-to player uh, after not playing much. He's a former a guy who formerly concentrated more on basketball than football, uh, but has made that transition to the to the gridiron. And, and I think he was a big pickup today. And I think he's a guy who's going to go on to have a, a really good career at South Carolina. You know, Rico Powers is a guy who's you know had some some discipline issues, and but you know Brian McClendon felt strongly enough about him to to stick with him even when some other schools dropped him, and uh, you know got a, a clean report from the the Hapeville staff when he made that transition or a transfer to Hapeville, and uh, you know has certainly has some talent. I think the key with him is does he stay on track from a uh, you know, behavioral standpoint, and, and will he be as coachable as he needs to be? If he can, if he is, and I think he has a chance to, to be a good player, but uh, he's one that we're, I think we're just going to have to wait and see on. 
Uh, and then Mike Wyman, you know, we've talked about in previous podcasts, did not have the kind of senior year he wanted to have. Really nobody on his team did. It was a, a down year up there for Dudley. Uh, but he has enrolled early and, and, you know, came in with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and wants to to prove to people that he, he was worthy of the four-star ranking that, that he had and, uh, you know, wants to, to show he's ready to, to help as a true freshman. So we'll, we'll have a better feel for him in the spring. Gamecocks. Um added a running back today that we've talked about down the stretch is a quandroy quandroy i mean dude that's hard I, I've, I've pronounced some names in my time that one is just that it's the q and the and the dr and the wh i don't know why i'm but but Zaquandroy. anyway reminds me of harry carey years ago when mark grujalanik came up with the expos and he said let's just call him mark g let's just call him mark g hey Hey, let's just call him Mark G. So we're going to call him Z White. We're going to call him Z White. So so Z White, you know, 6'1", 205 is what he was listed. I mean, look back on him, looking back on him as a high school recruit, big time guy, went to Florida State and, you know, didn't do much, got moved to linebacker. Digging into what he did at Iowa Western College this year, though, um, Big yards per carry, almost a thousand yards rushing in just eight games. Um, productive guy, you know. So, so I'm maybe a little higher on him after digging in, as maybe I was in our previous conversation. I think really the only thing that's holding me back would be the fact he changed positions at FSU. But FSU's been a dumpster fire. So, um, who knows with this guy? I just think it was important to get a, a, a older running back into that room, Tony. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, you, you don't want a position one position to have too many young guys uh, and I think that's that's where they were at running back with with Marshawn Lloyd coming in as a true freshman Rashad Amos will be there as a true freshman Kevin Harris a redshirt freshman and, and Sean Fennick a redshirt sophomore so they needed uh, a more veteran presence and, and I think White will give them that I don't know that he will be the guy at running back but I think at the very least he's going to give them more depth give them a veteran uh, give them a guy that's you know been in a major pro- major program like Florida State, and and sometimes these guys when they go from <clears throat> a program like that to the junior college for a year, they start appreciating things a little bit more, and and they come in and and they're more productive at their next stop. So obviously that's the hope for South Carolina is that that White will will be one of those guys who comes in, hits the ground running, and and is ready to to help them in 2020. Another key with him is going to be when he arrives. You know, he does still have some academic work to do. Uh, they're hopeful they can get him in by, uh, you know, first session of summer school would be great. I think that's probably unrealistic. I think it's probably going to be second session of summer school or after the second session before he arrives. Uh, but, you know, we'll just have to wait and see how it shakes out academically. But the sooner he gets there, I think that the better chance he's going to have to help him right away. Were you surprised they took Rashad Amos? Not really, you know, after, especially after watching his senior film. Um, you know, I, I really liked him uh, on film. Reminds me of Brandon Wilds for a, a Gamecock comparison, maybe a little bit faster than Wilds in the open field, but, you know, has tremendous balance, uh, can run through tackles, can make guys miss. And I, I think he could end up being one of the steals of this class uh, if his senior film is is indicative of who he is as a player. I, I really liked it. And I didn't. He wasn't a guy I was tracking 
uh, prior to South Carolina offering him. But uh, once I saw his senior film, it didn't take long to, to see why they offered him. He, he was really impressive and, and played against you know good competition in Georgia. And, uh, you know, Marshawn Lloyd's already there, which uh, I've mentioned, we've mentioned several times, is huge. Huge. I can't say the word huge either today. Um, <laughs> anything from uh, his time on campus so far working out and all that that you, you've heard from anybody? I, I continue to maintain I think he's the day one starter. I don't normally say that about freshmen, but I just kind of think it's, it's pointing in that direction. No, I think it is, too. I think it's going to be him or Kevin Harris. But I think he's going to have the opportunity to be the guy. And, you know, I don't want to say he's going to have the same kind of true freshman year that, that Marcus Lattimore had because you know, Lattimore just burst on the scene and, and, you know, was carrying the ball 25, 30, 35 times and, and you know, made a name for himself across the SEC very early in his career. I don't know that Lloyd will do that, you know, get to quite that level. Uh, but I do think he's a guy who's going to be a big part of South Carolina's offense as a true freshman and is going to get the opportunity to be the starter and to be a guy who touches the ball quite a bit. Uh, I think, you know, Mike Bobo's offense is an excellent fit for Lloyd's skill set. And I think he's going to enjoy playing in Bobo's offense. I think he's going to enjoy having a fullback to block for him uh, in addition to the offensive line and and just playing in an offense that's really going to, feature of the running game and, and have a lot of diversity to it. And, and I think he's, you know, he's got an extremely bright future. And like you said, it was very important for him to arrive early. Uh, and he, he did everything he needed to do to make that happen. And uh, I've heard good things about him in terms of, of his work ethic, his strength. You know, he, he, he doesn't look like a true freshman in the weight room, uh, tremendous lower body strength. And uh, I think is, is going to be physically ready to, to play quite a bit this year. Uh, speaking of guys that have hit the ground running, I, I know he's kind of getting healthy and all that, but I've heard a lot of good things about Luke Doty and, and kind of his approach uh, during the early stages of his South Carolina career. You, you know, just looking at this kid's high school career, I think he's special, uh, a special player on the field. Um, I know there's some questions out there about, you know, plus plus arm and all that, but, uh, you know, on film, I, I kind of feel like, you know, he throws the ball pretty good, and he definitely can do some damage with his legs. Uh, I think it's always good to string good quarterbacks on top of good quarterbacks because that's the most important position on the field. Um, and look at last year, you never know. Uh, so Luke Doty, to me, uh, probably an undervalued recruit when it was all said and done because he'd been committed for so long, um, but a good one nonetheless. Yeah, I say it all the time, but he reminds me so much of Connor Shaw. You know, he's probably maybe a little bit taller than Shaw and probably a little bit better passer at the same stage. Uh, But, you know, just has the it factor is a guy who's going to give you everything he has every day. He steps on the field from a a work ethic standpoint. Uh, He's a leader. Uh, He's the has the kind of personality where other players gravitate to him. Uh, He's a winner. You know, he, he led his team to a state championship as a junior and, and, and was on pace to do it again as a senior had he not gotten hurt. So um, I, I, I think there's a lot to like about Luke Doty. You know, and I, if people question his arm strength. I guess I haven't heard a lot of that, but I guess it, you're saying that's happened. I, you know, he, he may not have a cannon necessarily, but he can make all the throws and, and he, he's accurate with throwing the ball down the field. And, and I think just having that extra – um, 
trait of being able to to run with the football and and not just pick up four or five yards but be a guy who's a threat to to make someone miss or even outrun some players at times uh like connor shaw could do uh, i think it just puts so much more pressure on a defense and, and makes your offense harder to stop and and i think luke Doty is is gonna have a good career as a gamecock and and has a chance to to be a, a frustrating player for opposing defenses to try to handle Myrtle Beach High School, the alma mater of my mother, and uh, one Charles Power, uh, national recruiting analyst now for 24-7 sports. So uh, infamous alums uh, from Myrtle Beach High School, and Luke Doty's the next one uh, to come through. All right, that's all the time we have for today on the Inside Football episode where we review the 2020 signing class. Join us next week. For more Inside Football, this is the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. For Tony Morell, it's J.C. Sherbert. Have a great week, everyone.